0: Uh, Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. This is episode six. This is our night before episode, before Blade Runner 2049 comes out. And we, myself and Ryan and Patrick, we wanted to sit down and just kind of talk about what this movie means to us in a personal way. Um, It's a pretty big event. I haven't been, myself, I haven't been this excited about a film since I was a kid, and I kid you not, I was talking about this the other day with someone, I said, you know, I have never, not never, I have not felt this kind of excitement for a movie, and it feels like this event since I was a child, I kid you not, and it's been really, really a wonderful and kind of a magical thing.
1: It is a magical thing, it's like, it, it's like, we get these touchstones in our lives, you know, like we get these things that that, that we know we will remember, and I feel like this is one of those moments for me. Like, I, I feel like, the, you know, like our, our first episode of this whole show, we talked about our first experience with Blade Runner, and we all remembered it, right? Like, we remember that moment. That's something that, that we carry with us. And I'm just thinking, like, holy shit, we are about to have another moment like that. Yeah. Like, as of tomorrow, today, as this thing is released, probably, we will never again live in a world where there's only one Blade Runner movie. And as simple and, like, reductive and and dumb as that sounds, it's it's not. Like, that's, that's huge. Because this is a movie that we've carried with us all for so long and in such a personal way. And it's never going to be alone again, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just think that's, I, I've been thinking a lot about, I don't know, I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. About how, like, it, it's so rare that we get these moments where we can look forward and know that, like, our lives will, in some small but very finite and definite way, change. And, like, this is one of those moments for us, you know?
0: Yeah. And I I was thinking about, like, these characters, and I think, and I know you guys are probably similar, you might process them a little bit differently, but the way that characters and stories stay with us. They stay with us from being children to adults, and these people, you know, whether it's Rachel or Deckard or Ripley or whoever, um, they they inhabit a space in our hearts. And I was thinking about Rachel, and I was, you know, I think more about Rachel, I think, and maybe Roy, um, that... I've had a, this kind of ongoing dialogue with Rachel for most of my adult life, and I met Rachel when I was, for the first time, when I was probably 13 or 14, that's when I first saw Blade Runner, and I didn't really understand it, but I, I knew that I was saying something very different, um, and I just think it's a fascinating dialogue to kind of have, and have this, this character with you, and informing you, and helping you, and doing what great characters do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know for me, I, um, you know, for a long time I'd been looking for a movie to just really stick with me, um, and kind of speak to me on a, you know, on a deeper level. Um, and I think the first time I uh, saw Denny Villeneuve movie, that was uh, that was I think it was Prisoners was the first one. I remember that just stuck with me for a while. I, I was just kind of blown away by who who is this director? Who is this guy that he gets it? You know? Um, and then obviously Sicario and Arrival um, were both fantastic films. And uh, when I found out he was directing the next Blade Runner, um, I mean, I knew I knew for sure that it was going to be it was going to be a movie that um, that would stick with me as well in a very positive way. And um, yeah, and I not even just something that's going to be stimulating intellectually or you know touch on a lot of you know probably you know really important deeper questions, but I think just uh, emotionally, just being really satisfied and really joyous, you know, after leaving a the theater. Yeah, um, I know it's a lot of lot to say before actually seeing the film, but I really uh, I know this guy's track record. Um, and I, I the people involved overall are just top notch and uh just from what I've been hearing, it's just gonna it's gonna blow us away. And you know, who who would have thought that about the sequel to Blade Runner, the the sequel nobody wanted, you know? It's uh but right. now it's uh now it's a movie everyone's looking forward to seeing now. So um yeah, I just uh yeah, I'm I'm so excited and Going to a really late show tomorrow night just to just to see um, just to get the experience and um, you know I don't usually normally go to movies uh, that late on Thursdays um, but uh, but this one definitely making an exception to, to what, time, that, what, time sure. what time What time is your show What
0: time What time is your show?
2: uh 10 oh, okay 30. so you're gonna be nice. seeing a
0: little bit later than us because we we're gonna do, we to do a reaction episode do reaction um will tomorrow. you be up late ryan um will you be up late ryan
2: um well i'll probably be the movie's what two hours 40 45 yeah. minutes so i'll probably be out till about one um and then i don't think i'll i'll probably just come home and i yeah i won't be it because i work till 10 That's oh i see why Oh, really? what about uh, you patrick what
0: time are you seeing
1: what about you, your, your, what your show you seeing, seeing well so yourself? well uh, so tomorrow uh my plan is, i'm flying back home from england i've been gone for like a week and a half and uh i'm like really excited to to do that and i'm flying home just in time to um catch a uh, a late show uh, probably a 10 or 10 30 show with uh with my lovely wife micah who knows how excited i am about this and she's also incredibly excited and um it's going to be amazing. It's like I'm flying back in time because I'm, I'm gaining five hours on the flight. So, like, tomorrow's going to be this—it's just—it's, like, the perfect day to watch a new Plane Runner film because it's, like, a day that is dilated temporally, you know? Like, the day's longer than a, no- a normal day is for me. So, like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow in Oxford, England. I'm going to do some work. I'm going to catch a late flight, fly back in the reverse direction of the sun, land in Boston— um, and then Mike and I are gonna catch that show in our favorite movie theater, and it's gonna be a t- the tail end of a 30 hour day almost. Wow. and uh yeah, it's just like you know like but but that's like the perfect way to do it. you know I, I can't I can't wait. I'm really excited about it.
0: I'll be I'm going to you and I Patrick will be seeing the show at around the same time. My show starts at seven tomorrow. Um, so we'll be in the theater around the same time. Um, but I'm really excited and as we were talking about this, like I think about like moments in Blade Runner in the original. Um, which I am seeing today, by the way, in in Hollywood. Um, And uh, they have the original costumes and props there, and I'm really excited to get that close to elements that have been in my life, my entire life, essentially. Um, But I've been thinking about Blade Runner, and I think about, like, there's this one scene in Blade Runner where you hear this music, um, it might be Blade Runner Blues, I think it is, Uh, that's the cue by Vangelis, and you see Pris walking down the street and you hear that music and I think about those streets a lot. I think about that the loneliness of those streets and how I've seen those streets and I'm not talking about literally I've seen the streets of Blade Runner, but I've seen that that atmosphere, people walking down the streets at night in large cities alone, um, whether it's women or men, and that feeling that that, that, that sense of nostalgia that uh Blade Runner taps into and the sense of, hey, we're all the same, you know, replicant or human we're all the same we're all looking for belonging and uh uh I, that's really kind of the heart of why blade runner is such an important um movie for me is because it's a movie about people searching for belonging um and uh i that's you know the sets are cool the atmosphere i mean it's beautiful it's the music it's all amazing but that's why i love that movie um because i de- it's yeah.
1: about people yeah it really is you know, uh I was just thinking uh, this has been such a hard week for so many people. Um I, I know for us especially uh in the United States, although I've been of course in England this week, which has been uh, doubly strange for me. Um the the tragedy in Las Vegas has has really um had a, a very big impact on on our national psyche, um compounded with all the natural disasters. It's like it feels like every every day there's a new crisis somewhere. Uh, people are dying. Um, I have a a couple of friends from Barcelona who came up today. Um, we had a a working group together and they were fleeing the, you know, their city as these riots were happening and the police were beating people at voting booths. And, um, you know, they were like, my friend lost his wallet at the airport because he was so distracted by the amount of chaos going on in his home country. And he flew in. And as he flew in, I got the updates about what happened in Las Vegas. And I was thinking like, man, like, it's like the world will not give us a fucking break you know it's like it's like everything is so chaotic and so difficult and so turbulent and and this movie is 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 a moment where some of us people who love it people who have been waiting for it can really escape from that together even if it's just for a couple hours in a movie theater we can really escape from that and and be transported to a world that we can't even imagine you know and a world that like that we've been thinking of and that we've been dreaming about and that we've been seeing these little previews of, but we still don't know anything about. You know, we still don't know what this movie is about. But we know it's going to be beautiful, and like it's going to be a chance. Like, like Jamie, like it makes me, it makes me really uh, happy to know that like we'll probably be seeing the movie, even though you know we live I don't know thousands of miles away from each other. We'll be seeing it basically at the mm-hmm. same time. And Ryan, you too. Like you know, I mean, for what it's, it's essentially the same time too, a little bit later. But like it's a, it's a, it's an experience. Like we're going to be united in yeah. that moment, the three of us. You know all the people who call into the show who we'll get to shortly, like like we are all in this moment together tomorrow. Yeah. And that's fucking beautiful, you know? Like we in 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 a world that's so bifurcated and so difficult and so contentious, like, we have to search for those moments of unity or we're gonna go fucking crazy, you know? We have to search for these events that bring people together. And uh and, and I think we're really lucky that we have an event like that tomorrow. And it's not I'm not saying this is gonna change the world. I'm not saying that it's going to make everything okay again. Um, I'm not saying it's going to answer any questions, but it's going to, it's going to add to a sense of unity among a large group of people worldwide. You know, like this whole week in England, I've been seeing, um, on all the double decker buses that every single one of them has a Blade Runner ad. And, um, and I've been thinking like, man, this is like, this is dropping around the world basically at the same time tomorrow, you know? Um, and I I can't wait to have a collective human experience with a lot of people in a movie that as Jamie so eloquently said, like speaks to the human and all of us.
2: I mean that's what I love about sci-fi just overall, um, but especially amazingly well-made sci-fi films like Blade Runners. It transports you to another world, um, Mm -hmm. another um, another place, and you know, for me, sometimes just that, just getting away from this one for even if it's just a couple hours and going being transported to this other land or this other time, um, and or an alternate you know, alternate Earth or something, you know, just uh, there's something beautiful and um, just very uh, involving and very pleasing, also kind of frightening, but but there's something just very um, engrossing about it too, just being brought into this this new world. And um, Blade Runner really provides that. It's It's, you know, it's this whole place it's got its own own troubles, its own issues, but it's it's not here. And it's um and for me that's uh you know, sometimes that's what I need. I need to kinda of get that escape and kind of be away um be away from what's going on in this society. Yeah man. and yeah, man. Um, and having that experience is you know, you can't really put a price on it. Um and I think this is gonna be a film where um the value of it is going to be beyond what uh you know just obviously just a run-of-the-mill film it's going to be something that really reaches a lot deeper into a
0: lot a lot of people so yeah yeah you know i was talking to some people yesterday at work and uh i i experienced life probably similar to you guys maybe it's different and i were movies have always been a part of my life since i was a child. Movies. Opened up my mind like the Dark Crystal and Star Wars, and but a lot of people will see movies and they go, "Oh, okay, you know what's for dinner." Um, I'm not like that. I'm, and I don't think we're like that. Um, But speaking, uh, uh, you know, just about my experience, these stories in these movies continue to play themselves out for me. And I think about them and these characters that I met as ch- as a child, like I mentioned before, really resonate with me. Um, and I think about a movie like a cry in the dark, which starred, um, what's her name? Meryl Streep. Uh, it's a true story about a woman's baby. Who's taken by a dingo in Australia. Um, very, very powerful film, but I, that movie, I stay, I, sh- I saw that movie as tw- a, a 12 years old or 11 years old. And, um, her story continues to inform me as a person today. And I was talking to some people I work with last night and I said, you know, it's very foreign to me to meet people who, whose, where stories aren't a part of their life. They they work and they go and they deal with all the stuff that they deal with in their life. And they don't, they're not immersed in that kind of the, I, I don't want to call it art culture because it's not that for me. It's more personal um, where these Stories are a part of my life. Like, Rachel is a part of my life. Deckard is a part of my life. Ripley is a part of my life. Um, you know, uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character from Close Encounters is a part of my life. Um, I think about him. I think about, um, I mean, so many. I mean, uh, the little boy from e- E.T., Elliot, played by Henry Thomas. He 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 takes up space in my daily thoughts, you know, um, and part of who he is— is because who I am is in is in part. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It's it's it's. His character speaks to mine, um, and speaks for mine in some ways, and that's how I've always lived my life. Um, that's how much uh, the culture of movies. That's how that is why movies are so important to me. Um, they they. I met movies during a very dark period in my time as a childhood, and instead of drugs, I chose movies. Instead of addiction. I chose art. Um, and so I'm immersed in it day in and day out. And it's foreign to me to meet people who aren't, um, not that I'm looking at them like, but just because there's such, it's such magic. And I'm like, man, can't you, you should experience that magic too. You know?
1: Well, I mean, I think that's why we do this, right? In yeah. a way, like, that's why, that's why, that's why, you know, I'm sitting here almost at midnight <laughs> recording this with two of my great friends is it's like, we we care about that we care about showing people deeper connections in these things that we love that inform our lives and 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 um and change them you know and i i realize that a lot of the people who are seeking out like a specialist blade runner podcast or a specialist alien saga podcast you know shoulder with them perfect organism are uh are probably already cinephiles you know probably already kind of get it but but who knows maybe maybe not everybody does but like I mean, like the, the idea of sitting in a room with a group of people and just telling them how important these stories are and seeing their eyes light up and seeing them make connections between things that they might not have realized because they might not have been watching it in as deep a way um, as I happened to be at the time or something is a, it's a really beautiful, you know, human connection moment. And, um, and, and so just speaking personally again, like that's, that's why, that's why I want to do this podcast with you guys like that. That's why. I think it's amazing to be able to bring to bring people joy and to bring people stories and to and to help people think about them in the ways that that hopefully we've been able to with this podcast and will continue to in the future.
0: Totally, and uh, I know that you know we're kind of this is a, like we said this is kind of an impromptu emotional episode for us. Um, so why don't we kind of each of us talk about a scene in the original Blade Runner that really speaks to us on a personal level. And then we can kind of end it with the calls that we've received with other people talking about what it means to them. Great. Yeah. I mean,
2: um, the one that comes to mind for me is when, um, Deckard shoots, um, was uh oh man, I've drawn a blank on her name. Was it Pris? That, uh, Zora? Oh Zora, sorry. Yeah. In the, in the window, yeah. Yeah. And um you know, there's this there's this slowdown, there's this pause as he he looks at her body and uh, you know, and I think there's a realization that you know, he killed this well, for him it was a thing, but really is um you Know it was, it was a person, I think he was conflicted. Um, like you know, his job was just to you know kill these these repli- replicants, but um, but really, the this is a someone that wanted to live and someone that wanted to just experience life as for as, as short a time as she had. Um, and I think that that really hit Deckard as at a certain point. A certain level and for me you know I, I think about that I think about you know like some of these recent tragedies where some psychopath decides to mow down innocent people just having fun at a concert um, and having zero value for their lives um, and these are like real people that just want to live and experience life and love and happiness and everything that has to offer and you know, this this guy just took it away from from a, for a lot of people and you know, I think that kinda of, maybe that sort of mindset is um you know, maybe Decker was thinking that like, why, you know, why am I doing this job? You know, why am I, you know, hurting these people when they're not things, you know, they're they're real people. Um, and sometimes peop you know, in real life we treat people that, you know, we think might be less than us for whatever reason for race or, you know, gender or anything, you know, which is just completely despicable. You know, we're, we're all humans. We're all in this together and, um, we all have value. And I think that's kind of what Blade Runner's touching on is even though there's are replicants, these are, um, synthetics, they, you know, what really separates us from us, them from us, and, um, you know, I think it's about valuing other lives, you know, no no matter how those lives came to be, um, you know, it's, it's seeing everyone as, you know, one, one whole, we're all, you know, we're all humanity, we're all in this together, and we should love each other and care for each other, and, um, You know, that's kind of that's part of what uh, speaks to me about Blade Runner and just a lot of movies about, um, that have come out about, you know, synthetics and AI, things like that. It's, you know, what really separates us from, from that. If, you know, if that created thing is actually wants to live and cares and is empathetic and, um, you know, it's uh, it's really yeah. There's a, there's a lot that's that speaks to me about it, and just even that scene alone. So
1: yeah, awesome, man. Um, my so there there's there's things in the movie that like I w- I would like to pick out because they're smaller or they're m- maybe more fraught moments, like narratively or something. But but for me, the, the the moment that just gets me every time is when Roy saves Deckard from falling, because it's like this in in one you know and maybe a total of eight frames or something it upends the whole moral order of the film it totally changes it to like because obviously he could have killed Deckard you know like that that's what was happening um and the conditions were set for that and you know as a as a character I think he would have been totally um justified in doing that like I don't think any of us would have questioned why he was killing him I mean he had Deckard had killed all of his friends that had escaped with him, you know, um, and tried to kill uh, Roy and, and, and yet Roy chooses to save Deckard's life at the end. And in doing that, even though Roy is still villainous in a lot of ways, uh, he's saving Deckard in much the same way, Jamie, as you said before, Rachel saves Deckard because, because Roy is making Deckard realize the value of life, you know? And and I don't want to say it's like Fight Club where it's like, you know, you have to be pushed to the edge of death to like know that you're alive in the first place kind of a scenario, but kind of that's sort of what's happening there. I think it's almost like, like he's put, he's put Rick into this, like at the, he's at the very, the, the ne plus ultra of his human experience. Like he is a, a very depressed, very downbeaten guy who doesn't want to do what he's doing. He's lost everything. He's alone. He's adrift in the world. He's a buoy floating on the ocean. And, um, and he's murdering these replicants and feeling guilt about it and um and he's about to get the last one left and then he can be done for good and the last one left happens to be really cunning and have a lot of willpower and um outsmarting him and then like at the very end at like the very moment where Rick could have thrown it all away cuz he could have just let go of that um precipice you know he could have just fallen and that would have been it but he doesn't he holds on with a couple of fingers you know um at the very last bit of strength that he has he chooses to hold on and and instead of um knocking him off or instead of like instead of kicking him roy chooses to reach down and grab him and pull him up and deliver one of the great monologues in the history of movies and in doing that um he Revitalizes Rick Deckard in a way that I don't think anything else really could have. He he, and and not it's not because he almost killed him, it's not because of that. It's because he got Deckard to a point where he was unwilling to die. It wasn't the act of saving him; it was the act of pushing him to to live um, with purpose again. And I, I just think I don't know. I, I just think that's such a it's such an amazing moment because we talk about ambiguity with Blade Runner all the time. Like we talk about how. Um, it's it's difficult to know what genre it fits into. It's difficult to tell what characters' motivations are. It's it's difficult to even figure out who's the protagonist half the time. Um, it's difficult to see where their heroism is. It's difficult to um to really understand like you know Edward James almost like like what is he doing in the movie half the time you know like there's there's a lot of layers to like ambig- of ambiguity to it, and that is a wonderfully deliciously ambiguous moment that is completely unambiguous in its implications for Deckard's life. You know, it's a moment that's full of mystery and full of, of strangeness. Um, and yet it's so beautiful and it convinces him to live. And that is like, and, and that, and, and so even though it's this like incredibly fantastical situation, you know, it's something that we're confronted with, you know, like for me, like having, having a child was, um, was a moment like that, you know, which is not at all to say that I was suicidal or anything before, you know, I, I was very happy, but, but, but it added layers to my life that I didn't know existed. You know, it, it like, it, it, fit, it, it, completed my life in ways that I didn't know were incomplete. Um, both, both times that we've had kids that, that I've gone through that and, um, and it's transformed me. It's, it's just changed me. And I look back and I can't recognize the person that I used to be not like, cause I'm ashamed of it but because it was a different person. Like my life was just completely unalterably changed by that. And, um, and for me, like, that's kind of what, what, what Deckard goes through, you know, like he he becomes more of an alive person in the moment of redemption at the hands of who has been ostensibly the his antagonistic villain this whole time, and um, he's almost reborn in that moment. I I just think it's a very beautiful
0: way to sum up the um
1: the film to me.
0: Totally, um, I feel similarly. I mean, I there's a there's a series of moments um that feature Rachel um and Rachel's interaction with Deckard um and there's this it's another kind of transformational moment with Deckard's character but um when Rachel comes over to Deckard's house and she's got a fo- photos of her what she thinks is her her mother and her um it's, it looks like an old photo um and her world has been unraveled she has been she's uh, Deckard has kind of nonchalantly told her you're not who you think you are and your life has been a lie and you can see you can see her in her face grasping for something. She wants some type of hope. And she's at Deckard's house begging him for some type of hope, and he has nothing to give her. Except for just kind of this, eh, sorry, you know, and that's kind of his attitude. And then eventually she comes back to Deckard's house and you she's kind of hanging around, um, And she takes her hair down and you see Deckard kind of looking at her and, you know, he wakes up and, you know, she's playing the piano and he's like, you know, I dreamt music. What I see happening between Rachel and Deckard is uh, kind of like a flower that's unfolding Um, and it looks like something and then a few minutes later it's something else. And you see Deckard, you see him visually soften. You see him, you see his memories. Um kind of get you see it visually happen to him you see his memories kind of unlock based on music that rachel is playing and then you see his photos all on the piano and so there's this music is swelling and there's this connection happening but it's not just a romantic connection it's this kind of i i i see rachel's interaction with Deckard as she has kind of loved him to life she is and i think the, the reality for Rachel that her life has been a lie and that her life isn't exactly what she thought it was um, has also awoken her in some ways, too. And there are these two characters going through different things that is actually very similar. Um, and, and on that journey, they exp- they find each other. Um, and it's, you know, as I, I... I relate everything personally. You know, when I end up loving a film or a film becomes one's... One, when a film becomes one of my favorite films it's because i can resonate it resonates with me there's something about me in that film and i feel like uh rachel's story this idea of well who am i without these memories and I'm, you know growing up in a church that i kind of that kind of abandoned me and through many different things whistleblowing uh i ended up abandoning them in some ways and call, you know blowing the whistle on them and who am i without this thing in my life. Um and who knows that I exist? Who knows that I'm alive? Um where do I belong now? What what's my future now? These are questions I think all of us ask ourselves every day. Where do we be- where do I belong and whether you have children or not or you're married or not that's the question that drives us where do we belong? Where do we belong in this world? And uh that that narrative uh with Rachel with Deckard and with Roy and with Pris, um they're trying to find out where they belong and they just want a little bit more life to live. And they realize the value of life. Um, And by the end, you see again another transformation that you were talking about, uh, Patrick. You see Deckard on that roof and he's just been saved by Roy. And Roy is kind of in the throes of death, or retirement or whatever, and he's fading and he's talking and you see Deckard looking at him and you see another realization in his eyes like, wow, this, this thing, this man, this whatever loved life. And by the end, you see Deckard like, no, Rachel, we got to go. He's realizing I have to live my life and life is a precious thing. And I, that's, that is the personal journey for me. Every time I see Blade Runner, that's ongoing. So. Yeah, man. Beautifully said.
1: Um, we're, uh, we're 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 going to kick off to the calls pretty soon. Um, before we do, uh, I just I just want to personally just wish everybody a beautiful and a memorable premiere day. This is our this is our holiday. This is a big deal. So I hope that you all listening to this have a night you'll never forget, and I hope that you freak out and have an incredible time, um, and I hope that we do as well, and I hope that we can come together soon and do that, um, you know, reaction episode. And I, I hope that we have happy tears. I really, do. and I, I really think we will. And I, I just want to say personally, thank you guys for, for being on this journey with me and like for including me in this. And, um, and I, just to clarify, this is not the end of this podcast by, by any means at all. Um, we, we haven't been just a lead up podcast you know, it's just that we were created in the lead up to this movie, but we will, we will be here, you know, forever I hope (laughs) delivering content on Blade Runner Um, and and we're going to have a whole lot more to talk about after this movie drops so um, again I just I hope you guys have nights you will never forget tonight
2: yeah absolutely and a few days ago we uh, put out a a phone number for you guys to call and just tell us what what Blade Runner means to you Um, and we're going to close out playing playing some of those for you. So,
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, guys. See ya. Hi,
3: this is Tom Strong, and I was asked to call and talk about what Blade Runner meant to me. So, here goes. I first saw Blade Runner in theaters as a kid with my dad. And I remember thinking... It was the most surreal and profound and evocative movie I've ever seen. So much so that it's left an indelible mark. My father and I never really agreed on much, but on that topic we always had. He's inspired. But um, recently, I was out to drinks with colleagues, and a question to all of us was posed: What is the most powerful movie you've ever seen, and why? And we all ran around in a circle, and. Uh, and answered. And as you'd expect, the usual suspects were, were named Citizen Kane, Casablanca, It's a Wonderful Life. But when it was my turn, without hesitation, I said Blade Runner. And to be honest with you, everyone chuckled. And they said, oh yeah, Tom, why is that? Well, the answer is simple. Because when I watch it, my father's alive again. What other movie can be that powerful? Thanks for your time.
4: Hey, this is Erica from New York, uh, calling from the underground. Today, I just wanted to call in about Blade Runner and how this influenced my life. Um, first, saw the movie when I was in college. Uh, we were watching it for a philosophy class, and I remember having a huge impression on me at that time in your life when you're really supposed to be questioning things like that about what it means to be human, what is, you know, what. What is actually being a human, and how do we value humanity as opposed to other um, other beings? And even furthermore, um, how do we value other people and other you know crashes? Um, and be worse than last. Just use the last one. Love you guys. Love you, Patrick. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Micah Green. I'm from Lincoln, Mass., and I'm just calling to leave a brief voicemail about what I think about Blade Runner. Okay, first of all, I'm ridiculously excited about 2049. Can't even wait. We're going to go see it really late, opening night. But um, about the original movie, so I recently rewatched it. And I feel like the first time I watched it, I didn't really fully understand it, or I didn't fully sink in. But this 2nd rewatching that I did, um, there was a lot of thought-provoking stuff. And I find myself constantly battling with whether I actually like the main character, the hero, or not. And I find myself um, wondering how to reconcile these feelings of... Um, whether or not the relationship between Deckard and Rachel is a good and healthy one, if he actually loves her, like both of these people are so lost, but so I guess the bottom line would be is that I really love the film because it really, really makes me think and the characters are so compelling that I toss and turn over them in my mind days and weeks after having watched it so that being said i look forward to 2049 i can't wait to have my mind blown it looks like it's going to be amazing and um i just can't wait to dive right back into this world of blade runner so thanks
5: All right, guys uh, my name is miles i'm from connecticut uh first off i love your show uh, i think you guys are doing awesome stuff also, I want to talk about, you know, really what Blade Runner uh, meant to me, you know, first of all, it's, it, to me, it's the, the epitome of what a sci-fi film should be, you know, between the, the futuristic uh, setting, between the lighting, between the music, uh, the actors, it's just when somebody talks about a sci-fi film, Blade Runner is exactly what I pictured, you know, and as much as uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is one of my favorite books, I have to say Blade Runner is the only movie adaptation that I've actually enjoyed better than the book. And uh, something that really always resonated with me uh, for some reason with the movie, and I don't know if uh, if Philip K. Dick or Ridley Scott really intended it to be construed this way, But throughout the movie, Roy Batty is always talking about these amazing things that he's seen. You know, he says lines like, If you could only see what I've seen through your eyes. You know, the the attack ships off the shoulders of Orion and all that. And at the end of the day, he's still got this expiration date. And he's doing all these things, or he's trying to do all these things to extend his, his expiration date and ultimately failing and with that always for some reason it just you know to me i always took it as us as humans we always have this expiration date and we could always try and do whatever we could but at the end of the day you know we're, we're still gonna expire and instead of you know ultimately failing trying to extend this life because we'll never achieve immortality. Um, we should be enjoying it. And it's because of this expiration date that, you know, Roy Batty and the Andes and the rest of us have that we could really enjoy life and enjoy these beautiful things. Uh, and as far as uh, the, the, the new Blade Runner movie, I'm incredibly excited. I'm a little upset because it kind of blows up my theory about Decker being an Andy. Uh, but uh, you know what, to get a new movie, I'm kind of happy so accept that he's not. I just hope that they really capture the, the magic and the feel of the first Blade Runner. And from what I've seen uh, from the previews, I haven't seen it yet, obviously. Uh, I, I think it will. I think they did great casting and I'm really excited. But uh, thanks for having me.